You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Talking Chop Podcast. This is episode six of the podcast. I am Carlos Colazo, along with Brad Roland, as always. Brad, what's going on tonight, my man? It's March Madness, Carlos. Uh, the time is here, and that is not what this podcast is about. But uh, it does not hurt my excitement level about sports. And uh, the Braves are playing baseball games, and like stuff's happening, and. That's always fun. I'm uh, sort of ready for real games to start now. It's always the interesting part of spring training when you're kind of tired of games that don't matter. Mm-hmm. But we are almost there, and I'm excited about that, yep. so ready to go. And we'll be able to touch on March Madness a little bit, actually, tied in with the Braves later on in the episode. But we've also got on special guest Demetrius Bell. How's it going, Demetrius? Everything's going wonderful because baseball is back. Well, sort of back. <laughs> still spring training. So the games don't count, but we're getting closer and closer to opening day. Um, I'm just so excited. Yeah, it's 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 getting there slowly but surely. Uh, we obviously had March Madness to tide us over for all of the all those of you who who don't really care about these fake games or the games that don't matter. But for most of you, that's probably not the case. So uh, we'll jump right into the Braves news this week. Uh, the the biggest the biggest note for me is the uh, the Braves releasing Kyle Kendrick which comes as a huge win for all Braves fans, at least it should. Brad, I know we've had many discussions of Kyle Kendrick over the first few podcasts, but what does this news mean to you? Kyle Kendrick being released along with Chris Volstad and then 12 other players being sent to minor league camp, including Tyrell Jenkins, Daniel Castro, Sean Newcomb, Mauricio Cabrera, Chase Darneau, and Rio Ruiz, among other players. But I think Kendrick is the big name for me. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's certainly the biggest talking point. Um, we've obviously mentioned him a couple times on the podcast. Uh, I'm happy that the uh, that the uh, Braves did you know elected not to to stick with him. It probably helped his uh, our case. I mean that uh, Kendrick posted a 22.09 ERA <laughs> in two wow. uh, appearances, um, and it was as bad as that number sounds. Um, I was I was worried that if he was even decent in spring, then Freddie would kind of latch on to him as the veteran safe option. But Kendrick kind of blowing up a little bit um, made the choice easy. And uh, anyth- anytime you can take a decision out of Freddie's hands, it's usually a good thing in my opinion. Um, and Kendrick's, you know, like we've been over it a million times now, but Kendrick was the uh, the option with zero upside. So I'm glad to see that he is no longer an option. So and that's that's big news. Uh, I guess as big of news as something can be that's a cut of a guy who generally is not very good and everybody knows that. Um, but it was just good to see that the, he will not be opening the season in the rotation and that's a that's definitely a positive in my opinion. Yeah, Demetrius, do you have any uh, 
contradicting opinions there? Are you kind of bummed that Kendrick is out, or are you on the same page with us? Uh, I'm pretty happy that he's out. Like, of course, it's like the fact that he's a veteran, and you want to see him succeed somewhere, but obviously he's not here really because <laughs> of the fact that <laughs> we've got like a nice little stable of young pitchers going, and it would be nice to get them some experience. And yeah. so having a player like Kendrick who, you know, he'd come in, but he wouldn't particularly be successful. And then especially after you had in Colorado last year where he was just his ERA and his FIP were absolutely atrocious last year. So Yeah, I think it's I didn't really well, no, go ahead. You're good. I didn't really see him like um seeing if he was gonna make the rotation. So the fact that he got cut in this early is the fact that he got cut this early is a bit of a shock, but at the same time, I'm not really shocked that he didn't make the rotation. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I think I'm I'm right there with both of you guys. I don't I don't think there's anything good that could come of him sticking around. Um I don't know if he'll have a shot to sign with another team, stick with another team. I think if you're one of those veteran starters hoping for a job, the Braves are probably one of the teams that you're trying to latch on with. Um, but maybe he can find a find another team to, to get with and get another shot. But it's not looking too good for him at this point, in my opinion. Um, the other good news that came out of Braves camp was from today, actually. Freddie Freeman felt no pain in his wrist. Uh, this afternoon, after three at-bats, I think he swung the bat twice, flied out to center field, went over for 3. But obviously the big news is that he felt no pain in his wrist or his hand after he left with soreness uh, in his right hand on Friday. I know him leaving during the game was a bit of a concern to, to Braves country, as, as well it should be when your best player is dealing with a lingering wrist injury and then he comes out of a spring training game with what was assumed to be wrist pain. Uh, that that's definitely cause for for some worry, but it was it was not his wrist; it was his hand, and it's encouraging that again today he had no pain, uh, and I'm assuming his his wrist or his hand. Uh, I think he's going to try and get in the game tomorrow, take a day off, and then try and play in three straight games uh, and see where everything's at at that point. I think that's a plan for him going forward. But um, are you guys concerned with Freeman's wrist or his hand at this point, or? Are you still worried that maybe it's going to continue nagging into the 2016 season, Demetrius, or you think he'll be uh, he'll be fine once we start playing real games? Well, of course, there's going to be a little bit of a concern because of the fact that it's the same hand, right? So yeah. <clears throat> if if it keeps on happening to the same hand, then, of course, you got to be a little bit worried. But at the same time, like my worry level is considerably lower than it was when this news first broke because when we thought it was the wrist, I was like, oh, boy, here we go again. Yeah. Because you definitely don't want that to linger into 2016, considering the fact that it's Freddie Freeman, and he's like by far and away our best offensive option when it comes to production. Yeah, the, so, thing, the thing with Freeman that worries me is that um, when, when this started happening last season, I know he was really adamant about just getting back out there and playing through it, which is a bit concerning. Um, obviously, all these players want to play. That's why they're here. That's why they got to this level in the first place. But at the same time, I really hope that Freddie is not under the mentality that he needs to be out there every single game, especially this season. Obviously, for the Braves' success moving forward, it'll be much better if he just manages to get healthy and stay healthy this year. Um, you could argue that he doesn't even need to play that well. Obviously, you want to see your best player play well, uh, especially with a guy who's as talented as Freddie Freeman. But I just hope that he is not trying to go out there every day. I know he had that uh, that streak of games played. That was broken last season. I know he's he's very proud of that, and I know he wants to be out there every day, but I hope he, he's not trying to push it too hard, especially early in the spring, because that would just be a waste. Brad, any thoughts on this? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest uh, concern I have is with kind of with the training staff at this point. Um, you mentioned Freeman's kind of had that uh, track record of a, of a guy who wants to play every game, and that's admirable. But um, this, is a, this is a training staff that's kind of had a few issues now with guys coming back too early or misdiagnosis almost. Um, I always think of Dan Ugla. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of there's a few other examples as well. But uh, with, a, with a guy in Freeman that you value uh, to the point where he's easily your biggest contract in addition to your best player and your longest term contract, um, that's a guy you need to be uh, particularly uh, careful with. And, you know, a wrist is not a small issue for a hitter. Um, you know, it, it helps that Freeman's not playing a high-value uh, high defensive position, but at the same time, like, th- that guy has to hit um, yeah. to bring the value that you need because he, because he does play first base. He's not going to bring you any other value. <laughs> it, it all comes with his bat, and if he's not healthy, um, I'm, I'm almost in the camp where he needs to be shut down and they need to have surgery on it. Now he's yeah, and it's his right wrist too, which is his lower wrist on the bat as a left-handed hitter. So I'd imagine that that's under more strain from that side of the plate. Although I'm not a, a swing expert or medical professional by any. I way. think that's right. I mean, I think that's right, and I'm um, I'm not saying that that we're at the point now, but if we get into this season and it becomes a, an issue again, you know, I I thought he almost should have had surgery last year. Mm-hmm. Just the way that it kind of like the way that it kind of broke down. He kept trying to hurry back. Um, and Freddie wouldn't take him out of the lineup, um, and you get into to a kind of a different discussion there with how much pull does your best player have with whether he's in the lineup or not? Because mm-hmm. if Freddie Freeman is saying, you know, I'm good, I want to play, it's tough for the manager to be to be like, no, Freddie, you're not playing, <laughs> even though even though that you know the manager should be able to do that. But w- when you're dealing with your best player, it's more of a tough call, especially um, with an injury that you know there wasn't a firm diagnosis that says, you know, no, you can't play. Yeah. It'd almost be easier um, if Freeman was, if, if trainers were like, nope, can't do it. And that makes it an easy call. And they, you know, he's suddenly on the DL and on the, unable to go. But with stuff that nags like this, you, you kind of never know. Um, and hopefully uh, it won't become a long-term issue more than it already is because, you know, this is already a long-term issue. This is something that happened that we were dealing with last year. The entire offseason um, was sort of assuming that he'd be back, and a lot of people were assuming that. But you get into spring, and it already kind of pops up again. That's not great, um, but at the same time, it was the hand um, more so than the wrist this time, which is definitely a positive and kind of takes a, a little bit of the sting away. But we we'll, we should all be monitoring this pretty darn closely in the uh, coming weeks and months. Yeah, I think moving forward this spring, aside from the starting rotation, this is probably the biggest storyline for the Braves. Is just uh, monitoring and making sure Freddie Freeman is healthy and enters the uh, the regular season 100%. Uh, but the next thing we've got uh, on our little notes to go over is uh, Matt Whistler threw 2.2 innings today. Uh, he allowed just one run on two hits and two walks, and he struck out three. So far this spring, he's thrown four and two-thirds, allowed three hits, one run, while uh, striking out four and walking two. So... Largely positive from Matt Whistler. It looks like he's still going to be that third uh, starter to start the season, unless something terrible happens really between now and opening day. Uh, are you guys encouraged? I mean, it's only I, every time we we look at all these stats and everything, and and you want to like you want to try and learn something from spring training, but it's four and two thirds innings. I mean, that's nothing. But what do you guys think of Matt Whistler? Do you think he's a should definitely be a lock looking anything you've noticed from him this spring Demetrius or just kind of encouraged by him not giving up tons of runs well I was definitely encouraged by the fact that he went to uh, Tom Glavin in the offseason mm-hmm. 
work on the changeup. And apparently he's been working that into his repertoire as of late for this new improved changeup. And as you can see, he's been paying off dividends for him because he's obviously going to have a spot in that rotation locked up. And so the fact that he's been producing so well so far during spring, I mean, even though it's still a small sample size in spring, yeah. but the fact that he's playing this well is it's definitely encouraging. And so, like, when he eventually makes it, gets locked into his spot in the rotation, hopefully he'll keep it up, man. Yep. Brad, any thoughts on this, or is this kind of just run-of-the-mill good start from him? It's a bit of run-of-the-mill, but Whistler's an interesting guy and in that part of his value um, in the trade when the Braves picked him up was that he was you know, seen as a guy who was pretty close to the majors. Mm-hmm. Um, and given that he wasn't particularly great last year in his uh, short stint, I mean, it was 19 starts. So I guess that's not really a short stint. It's more than half the season, but 4.71 ERA, 1.46 whip, and the control was an issue. Um, so, so, you know, seeing a little bit of success is encouraging for Whistler just because of all the young arms you have, he's the guy who's seen as the most ready to pitch right now. Um, so he almost has to be a little bit further along than your other, uh, and held to a bit of a higher standard than your other young guys. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's still only 23, so it's not like he's looking, uh, it's not like he's getting old, uh, mm-hmm. but c- compared to some of these arms, he's on the older side, I suppose. And given that he has some major league mm-hmm. experience, um, it's good to see him having a, a bit of success, but you mentioned it. It's four and two-thirds innings, so uh, we can't take too much away, but it's it's definitely good to see him uh, looking good versus some of the other guys who have struggled um, in a sort of a high-profile fashion. So um, Whistler at least will keep the fans from freaking out uh, over over his four and two-thirds innings much uh, when compared to some of the other guys with double-digit ERAs right now. Yeah. Definitely, and then moving on to another guy who's got a, a, a few innings under his belt at the major league level, um, Ulysse Chasson. Hopefully, I didn't butcher his name. I believe it's Chasson. Chasson? There's no think, yeah. what? I think it's I think it's Chasson. 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 Oh, oh, for the last name. What about yes. the first name? I think it's Yolise. Yolise. Okay, that's what I thought. I, I don't know why I thought you were talking about his first. We should name. probably learn that Chassin. if he's going to make the team. Yeah, but. I mean, if he's going to make the team, we'll, we'll hear him be announced. They can they can figure that out for us. I'm not there. Maybe I'll have to ask Kevin or Mark, ask him what the pronunciation is. But either way, uh, Shasin hasn't felt any shoulder discomfort so far this spring. And according to Mark Bowman, uh, he is one of the favorites to land one of those last two rotation spots, along with Manny Benuelos and Williams Perez. So at this point, it looks like it's a uh, it's a race between these three guys. Uh, do you do you guys have any preference over what the final two rotation spots are? If we're assuming that it's going to be Tehran, Whistler, and Bud Norris for the first three. Demetrius, you can kick this off for us. Any preference over uh, those three? Chasin, Benuelos, or Perez? Personally, I'd probably go for... Um, the thing would be nice because of the fact that he could come in and definitely eat innings, and he's much more reliable compared to Kyle Kendrick. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't mind him coming in and doing that. So if Chasin gets a slot, I wouldn't... It'd be okay because of the fact that, like I said, he's... We came to the veterans that they signed for the starting pitcher role. Mm-hmm. He was definitely one of the the better options when it came to that. Well, like they weren't particularly attractive options, but at the same time, like if yeah. you had to, I'd do something. Okay, so you you would even take him over Benuelos and Perez, or do you think that either of those? Oh guys well, he'd probably a be like a, he'd probably be a fifth option compared to the other two. Yeah, because I put Benuelos probably like in the third or fourth spot to be honest. Yeah, I agree with you on Benuelos. I think he's got I think he's got a higher higher ceiling than Shasin and I know me and Brad have touched on Williams Perez. I don't really think that um that he's gonna be a, a starting pitcher for a long time in the major leagues, but 
It's certainly possible. Brad, do you have any thoughts on Chassin over Benuelos or Perez in in this situation? Obviously, one of these guys is not going to be in the in the starting rotation. It's just a matter of who it is. If if these are the three guys that the Braves are looking at. Yeah, you mentioned that Benuelos is the younger guy with more upside, and I definitely agree with that. I would uh, I would roll with Benuelos and Chassin as my four and five, uh, knowing what we know now. I really like the Chassin pickup, um, given that you you know it's an extremely low cost, kind of a flyer on a guy who. He's had some success. Like he's only 28 years old. Like he feels like he's older than that because he was he's been around a little bit in Colorado. But that's yeah. he's one of the rare guys who actually had some success in Colorado. Like he has three three separate seasons with a sub four ERA, pitching in Coors Field for half of starts. And like that's um, anywhere else that would be nothing to like get super excited about. But if he's healthy, like he's proven to be like at least a league average starter, if not much, if I, if not better than that. Like he's got three different years with a two with with two WAR or more. Mm-hmm. Um, Shasin's, you know, that's a, that's a guy who actually is worth taking a flyer on because he has some some level of upside. Um, and you know, you mentioned our thoughts on Williams Perez. We kind of agree on him as a guy who I don't really see it with Williams Perez. Um, I would I was on record before even before the Kendrick stuff about having Perez sort of ahead of Kendrick in the pecking order, in that we don't know Perez is bad. Um, his peripherals are not exactly encouraging from what we saw last year. Even when he was posting good ERA numbers, his, you know, his his strikeout to walk ratio and his FIP were not uh, not stellar. And I don't really love his repertoire of stuff. But uh, I would have him as the as the quote unquote number six right now. If we assume that Ben Willis and Chassin are four and five, but there's a long way to go. I mean, as much as we talked about how we're, we got some data now, there's still a couple more weeks of spring and. With Freddie in the mix and Shasin's uh, Shasin's health is is really the thing. So you mentioned his, uh, the lack of shoulder discomfort. Mm-hmm. If he can get through the whole spring healthy, I that's a guy that's worth uh, giving a shot to. Even if just flip him mid season, like um, it's probably not a guy that's going to be in your organization very long, considering you don't really have him under control. Mm-hmm. But that's a veteran who can help somebody. And if he's good until June, you can get you can extract some value. We've mentioned that with a few other guys. But it's definitely the case with a pitcher like that who's shown uh, some real track record of success. So if he's healthy and uh, even decent in a couple months of uh, time with the Braves, he can get some value on the trade market for him. Yep, I agree with that. All right, moving forward. Um, actually, there, there's a kind of a fun article today from, from Mark. We're shouting him out a lot today. Uh, hope everything's going good with you, Mark, down there in Florida. The but, great Mark uh, Bowman. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's the best. But obviously, there was these. It was Selection Sunday today. I know we briefly talked about March Madness and the intro of this podcast, but apparently, some Braves players are excited for this as well as myself and Brad. I know you are, Demetrius. I don't know if you have anything, uh, any vesting interest in in college basketball this season, but we're going to jump into it for a second, anyways. I know, I know, March Madness is fun for a lot of people, even if they don't have a team. Filling out brackets is always a good way to make you feel less intelligent than you probably are. Um, but there are a few <laughs> a few players and uh, and Coppolella actually who's is excited for this. Jason Grilly is pulling for Seton Hall, which is his alma mater. <clears throat> Excuse me. In addition to Syracuse, apparently he's a Syracuse fan growing up, which is a little bit sad. But he's pulling for those two teams. John Coppolella is pulling for Notre Dame, and Bud Norris is pulling for Cal. But before we go into any of those critiques of these teams, if we want to do that, Brad, uh, do you want to just break down March Madness for us? I know we had um, we had the leaked bracket during the two-hour CBS Spectacular, which was hilarious, I thought. Um, but my my Tar Heels are... What? What's the question? 
Wait, wait, there was a two-hour selection show? Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is a huge thing, apparently. So the NCAA and CBS have a partnership to where um, once the committee finalizes the bracket or whatever, CBS then has exclusive rights to, I guess, release the bracket. Um, so in the middle of their uh, broadcast, I think they were done with two regions, someone leaked the bracket on Twitter and the full bracket, the, the full bracket was out there, and everyone was like, "All right, now I can check out of the CBS show." Because uh, for a lot of people, it was just dragging on too long, and I, I would tend to agree with that. Oh, that's perfect. Whoever leaked it is a hero. Yeah, that, that was the consensus <laughs> that, on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my feeling. I mean, you mentioned it. It's the CBS spectacular. I have a lot of friends that work for CBS um, on the writing side of things, but that was a disaster. Uh, the two hour unveil like we were an hour and 20 minutes into the show and we'd only seen three of the four regions like it was excruciating Um, yeah we've got we've got people talking about bubble teams while the committee has already decided which teams are out or in like like why are we analyzing bubble teams they they just overthink I mean that's a show that does a huge rating for CBS so I get why they wanted to make it longer but I mean, just show, throw the bracket up there, and people will just leave the TV on and listen to what you have to say about the bracket. Like you, they got too cute with it, but you know, the, in terms of the actual basketball stuff, we were, we're not going to dive super deep into that <laughs> in this podcast. But uh, being a Michigan fan, which most people would probably know that I am, me and Copy are going to have an issue in round two uh, <laughs> if uh, if Michigan does their part and wins their first four game. Uh, they're going to play Notre Dame, and I might we might have to have Copy on the podcast. Yeah, no. I think that would be great. Uh, if we get if we, listen, the pros and cons of your team, if we get wager, if we get copy on the podcast, I promise we will not ask him about Notre Dame basketball. <laughs> that would be, it would be too much of a get if we could ever pull that off. It's going to be because Mark Bowman gets him for us. I think. I think Carl. <laughs> I think Carlos is in with uh, with Bowman. It's going to be the what gets us copy. But no, I, it's just fun, man. Like I can understand why people don't really love college basketball, but in terms of sports, like. Most baseball fans probably like other sports. Not everybody, but it's just pure sports for me. Like it's you know you got storylines and there's just madness, as they say. It's it's wall to ball games and buzzer beaters and all that stuff. And if you know if you hate basketball, it's not for you. But other other than that, if you like sports in general, I can't imagine you not at least being somewhat entertained by it. I, I live and die with it. It's one of my favorite favorite things. Yeah, of the Brad's year. a basketball nerd. If you guys are interested, he tweets about that as well. So feel free to follow him. And glean some knowledge. I know. Yeah, I, have. I, uh, <clears throat> I do. I do write about some basketball, and please go follow Pe- SB Nation's Peachtree Hoops uh, covering the Atlanta Hawks. But uh, yeah, it's just even if you don't love basketball, like it's just entertainment. You throw the game on. It's it, it's it's on at two in the afternoon on the East Coast. It starts at nine a.m. on the West Coast. Like it's incredible. The first few <laughs> days are just that's it's just it should be a national holiday. No one should have to work. It's um, for the whole month. I love it. Yeah, take the whole month of March off. Why yeah, not? I mean, me and Brad might have to get into it later on. I know his uh, his Michigan team is in the same region as my number one Tar Heels. So if Michigan's able to pull off a couple upsets, I would love for that to happen. And we have a uh, a Tar Heel Michigan matchup. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's never gonna happen. Let's get out of this. I don't I don't want to think about Michigan losing <laughs> first round. That's probably what's gonna happen. Let's just, All right, fair let's enough. talk brave stuff. Since, since we're a Braves podcast, I guess we can move on to some more Braves <laughs> related <laughs> topics. Um, Hector Oliveira. I feel like we've we've talked about him a good bit, and we're gonna keep talking about him because he's been crushing it all spring. 
He just hit his league-leading 13th hit today. And uh, in 30 at-bats, he has 13 hits, which is good for a 433 batting average. Um, somehow he has a 419 on base percentage, if that's if that's accurate. That was on the uh, the Brave site. Maybe something's a little janky with that, but that's kind of off. And a 500 slugging percentage. So really, Oliveira has, has shown up with the bat early on. I know I'm going to keep saying this over and over again until we get out of the spring, but it's spring, small sample size. Uh, you can't look into it too much. But the one thing that I did notice when looking at this is that he has one strikeout and no walks, which was a little disheartening for me. Uh, I want to see Oliveira walk more. Hopefully, I've been able to watch him too much during these games, but I'm not I'm not convinced of his plate discipline at this point. Uh, but what are you guys thinking of Oliveira's early success this spring? Do you think uh, the hit tool is real? Do you think he's going to hit like we've heard about? Since really the Dodgers signed him to that contract, Demetrius, what are, what are your thoughts on Oliveira at this point? Well, obviously I'm encouraged by what he's been doing because, uh, like that was the one that was the selling point. Like you said, was the fact that he could hit, and as long as he develops that bat, everything will be fine. But you know, especially considering the fact that you know he's moving to left field, and like him having the bat there will be a huge. It'll be huge for us because of the fact that he definitely like. Uh, we wanted to see what he could do at third base, mm-hmm. but obviously that's not going to happen because, like, they seem to be dead set on trying to make sure that he works at left field. Yeah. And so, like, that was the one thing that was a little bit of a head scratcher when it came to the deal. But right now, the fact that he's doing well at the plate, that's a huge positive. And if it continues and, and he's not horrible in left field, and I haven't heard anything about him being terrible defensively <laughs> so far, like, then things should be okay on that regard. Mm-hmm. Brad? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously good when you're uh when you're a big quote unquote prospect who is thirty years old hits yeah. four thirty three <laughs> in spring um I'll pour a little bit of cold water on it just because he, the power's not really been there um you're talking about a guy with an iso of less than a hundred uh it's thirty at bats so it's again this is a small sample size alert, but two doubles twenty eight singles not twenty singles 30, eleven singles 11. sorry 11 singles um, and no home runs. Um, he's hitting the ball hard from, by all accounts, so that's good. But it could be a little bit of a bapid luck right now. Um, but you know, And that's a guy who you need power from eventually because of the fact that he's probably not going to be a good defensive player. Um, even, if he, even if he hits for average, you really need some pop in the lineup, and that's a guy you're really relying on for that power um, behind Freeman. Um, so if he if if he becomes a guy who hits you know 280 with 15 homers, that's good, but it's not really what you need from him in a corner outfield spot. Like you're kind of this is a guy who we really uh, the Braves really need to hit you know in that 20 to 30 home run range. Given his age, it's not like there's a lot of projection built in here. Yeah. You're not talking about the 20 the 22 year old prospect. He kind of has to produce right now, and the batting average is good and. Uh, I agree with Carlos's point about his plate discipline. I'd like to see uh, a little bit more in the area of walks, but I guess when you're hitting 433 and 30 at bats, like you can kind of pick and choose whether you want to talk about the walks or not because he yeah. might just be getting fed pitches. Yeah. So it's one say, of those if things. Just, <laughs> if he's just seeing these fastballs over the plate and he wants to jump on on them, by all means, go ahead. But I'll, I'll agree with you, Brad. You don't want to see that kind of that empty average, just a high batting average that looks nice. To the uh, traditional people out there, but you're really not getting on base at a high clip. You're not hitting for power, like you mentioned. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'm ready to see him face some big league hitter or some big league pitchers because, as you said, 
there's not a projection with Oliveira. What he is is basically what he is. I know they're tinkering a little bit with his, his hitting mechanics, trying to make it a little bit simpler, a little shorter. Um, but it is encouraging to see him having this success. I don't know if we can read too much into it. I know you talked about pouring some cold water on it, so it'll be it'll be fun to watch him uh, through the rest of the spring and see what he can do in the regular season. Um, and any other comments on on the team this spring? We can move on to maybe the most fun piece of baseball news that we've had this past week with Bryce Harper and the unwritten rules. But I want to make sure we mm-hmm. touch on any Braves related stuff before that. If you guys wanted to, if not, we can go ahead and move along. I should say, because of the Oliveira topic, um, the Alex Wood thing, uh, the oh. Hector Oliveira and Alex Wood are always going to be linked because of the trade, uh, a trade that I, I will admit to uh, absolutely hating at the time. But You're going to be a believer. He'll come around. Well, it's looking <laughs> better in that you know Jose Peraz has not really done much, and now Alex Wood's got another injury concern. So, I actually wasn't aware of the Alex Wood. Do you want to break that down? Yeah, he had a, he's got some forearm Stiffness, which is never what you want to see in a guy who's already had elbow, uh, already already had Tom, Tommy John surgery, and you know we don't have anything conclusive on that. And it's unfair to compare Oliveira to Wood in that if Wood, if you're talking about Wood getting injured because you didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but given that the Dodgers are paying a lot of the money owed to Oliveira in the grand scheme, given what they already paid for him. Um, all he has to do to earn the money the Braves are paying him is just be decent. Like he doesn't have to be a four-win player to earn the contract that he's got. Um, the, at least the Braves portion of it. So that's always that's really something that I'm telling myself at this point. Um, <laughs> Oliveira is that the trade's done, and now you kind of look at what he's being paid um, versus the mythical salary cap that doesn't exist, but the Braves kind of impose on themselves. Um, it's really about what he's being paid versus what he's producing. And if he's, if he's decent, I mean, if he's one of your better position players, he's going to earn that money. So I'm trying to tell myself and some other Braves fans that have been down on that move that, you know, it's, that move's already happened. And Oliveira's, if he's, if he's as good as some people think he's going to be right now, then it won't be as disastrous as I previously thought it would be. So it's, that's just a note in there that Wood is battling that. We, we, we want to wish the, the best for Alex Wood. Um, I was really a big fan of him when he was here, and he was awesome at times. Um, I was also a local kid, too, pitched at University of Georgia, so that's a guy who the, a lot of Braves fans are always going to follow with that connection. So we, want, we hope he's healthy, but that should be, it should be noted that he's now battling um, a bit of an elbow scare, so hopefully that uh, goes all well for him. Yeah, Demetrius, did you want to jump in? Yeah, like you never want to hear like forearm tightness because like, I think we were like, we're all, as Braves fans, we're well-conditioned to hear forearm tightness, and you know exactly <laughs> – what else is coming pretty soon? So yeah, I hope definitely hope that Alex Wood can uh, that the injury news is not as bad as it seems because you definitely want to see him succeed. Yeah, even if it's not with the Braves. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, I, I got to talk to him a couple times. He seems like a super nice guy. So best wishes for him. But <clears throat> did you want to do anything else, Demetrius? Oh yeah, like I was just saying that I agree with the agree with Brad when he was saying that you know all he needs to do is just be all Hector Oliveira needs to do is just be decent. And it'll be, we'll have like a decent return, even though like we're still not like a huge fan of the trade, mm-hmm. and especially what they've done since he got here. But you know, as long as he's like decent, I figure it'll be all right. Yeah, I th- my biggest thing with the trade was I feel like people were kind of condemning it a little bit too soon before we really found out what Oliver was. Uh, I know he didn't perform 
really well at the end of last season, but it was only something like 20 games. Uh, I think people kind of condemned it a little bit too soon. We, I, I personally, I want to see a little bit more of what Oliveira can do to see. And, and if we look at Peraza, who at the time he was traded was the Braves' number one prospect, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he looks like a utility guy to me. I don't, I don't know wow. if Peraza is gonna turn into anything uh, like an everyday player. Like certainly not anything that Ozzy Albies or Danzy Swanson. Like either of those two players look to become the future. If he if he never amounts to anything more than a utility player, kind of just bouncing around teams, uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm not very high on Peraza, and I, I don't, I'm not sure if I ever was. But I know at the time of the trade, there was a lot of hype simply because he was the top prospect in the system, which also tells you a little bit about. Is that even true? Was he the top guy at the time? I mean, it kind of depends on where you looked. Um, he yeah. was definitely in the top yeah. two or three t- for yeah, everybody. He, he was the top. One of the top dudes. And yeah, I feel like definitely that, your top. Yeah, I feel like that might have maybe maybe made the trade look worse uh, in the mind of many Braves fans. But I mean, he hasn't done a ton with the Dodgers so far, but he could surprise me. Uh, but I think that's that about wraps it up for that. If you guys have any contradicting opinions on Peraza, feel free to come at me. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm just kidding. There's nothing, <laughs> nothing contradictory about Peraza. He's, he looks like a utility guy, like you said. He's, he's never going to hit any, for any power, and everybody knew that. I mean, the Braves knew that. Um, he sort of was uh, a prospect along the lines of Ozzy Albies um, in that he was more of a speed, defense, batting average type of guy. Yeah, I except don't even for, think his hit tool is close. Well, that, that, that was the thing I was about to say, yeah. was that at least – and Albies is so much younger and looks like he was going to be a, a, a better pure hitter than uh, Peraza was ever going to be. So that's uh, that's a guy who suddenly does not look like really anything but a uh, but a sort of a fringy guy. So that, that makes the Braves look certainly better than it did at the time. Yep. Brad, we need to disagree more. I just realized we kind of agree on everything. Uh, that's generally true. Let me just make some crazy statements. Uh, Jeff Renthor <laughs> is the best left fielder on the team. Uh, yeah, get out of here. No. All right, maybe we'll disagree Say- on this next one. Uh, which is the Bryce Harper comments. If you guys aren't familiar with what Bryce Harper said, I think it was in the ESPN feature uh, that was recently written on him. You should go check them out because they were, if nothing, they were extremely polarizing in the baseball community. He called baseball tired, and he was basically addressing the unwritten rules about how uh, he thought it was ridiculous with players getting plunked after they showboated or bat flipped for their big home runs. I know we talked about a bunch of the younger guys with their personality, talking about the Matt Harveys and the Jose Fernandez of the game. And afterwards, which I thought was hilarious, Goose Gossage had just a legendary rant against the nerds that were ruining baseball. And Jose Bautista, I don't know how he got dragged into that. Maybe he backed up Harper's comments. But but just ripping the all the, the nerds who are ruining baseball and all these disrespectful young ball players who are out here having fun and flipping bats. Uh, but do you got did you guys make anything of these comments? I'll give you my opinion, but I wanted to throw it out to you guys first. What did you think of Bryce Harper's comments and, and did you get a chance to look at Goose Gossages as well? Demetrius, you can kick this one off. Well, um first off I agree with Bryce Harper, which is shocking. Because <laughs> like whenever <laughs> Whenever I hear Bryce say anything in the media, I'm just like, ugh, here he goes again. But he was definitely 100% spot on with what he said. Because the fact that, you know, like, you see all the other sports with uh, Cam Newton, and he makes the game fun. Because mm-hmm. the fact that he's out there, he's dancing, he's having a good time, and he's also good, extremely good at what he does. So, 
if you can dance like that and you have the ability to back it up, then why not? Yeah. Right. But at the same time, oh, my back ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's, it's a weird game with baseball because you know you still got like a bunch of players, current players who are like actually came out and agreed with Goose Gossip, which was kind of shocking to me. But at the same time, it wasn't shocking because you know it's still a very traditional game. So it's just a weird situation, and Goose Gossip just came off as really bitter and really old, and just like an old man yelling at the cloud. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I thought of his comments, Brad. Any thoughts on this? Yeah, Goose Gossage is that whole thing was embarrassingly old man tired. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he actually had to like apologize, right? Didn't the Yankees like pull him in? Well, sort of, but like then he kept going. <laughs> Didn't bother like, at all. Like he doubled down. Oh, yeah, man. like they 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 tried to do that, and then it ended up being him really just doing it again. The same, <laughs> like the same rant and different words about Harper. Um, yeah, Gossage just kind of embarrassed himself. I mean. If you look closely enough, there might be like one point out of 30 that I agreed with from Goose Gossage. But uh, in the grand scheme, yeah, he was not not uh, entirely spot on. And um, in terms of Harper, uh, as Demetrius said, it's kind of odd to agree with Bryce Harper. But he was right, man. Like some of the unwritten rule stuff is so silly. It's just I, I'm, a, I'm a baseball romantic in a way that a lot of young people are not these days. Um, so I'll say that off the top, but like, that doesn't mean that, especially like the throwing at people thing. Like at what point are we going to realize that like people can get seriously injured by being thrown at with a 95 mile, 95 mile or fastball. It's just kind of silly. I'm also team bat flip. Oh, hundred uh, percent. Big fan of bat be. flips. Um, <laughs> which means that a lot of people, all around baseball probably disagree with me on that one, but it's fun, man. That legendary bat flip in the playoffs, like the Bautista bat flip, was le- it was incredible. It was awesome. That game I, as a whole was just amazing. I'll and watch that-, that thing anytime. Throw the gif up, and I'm gonna watch that. Mm-hmm. Like it's it was incredible. I, so I'm I'm all in on uh, I'm not all in on Bryce Harper the personality, but on and on these particular comments, uh, I'm definitely aligned with him on this one. Like some of the unwritten rules are crazy, and the game is tired. We've dealt with that. Um, in the meat, the media is tired, the great, especially the traditional media. Like they just, they're baseball's the last sport to come around to blogs. They're the last sport to come out, to come around to the internet. Um, they don't like fun. They just don't like as an institution. And of course it doesn't, that doesn't go, that's not everybody. There are a lot of players who have fun. There are a lot of, um, even older people who get it who get the advanced numbers, who get the fun part of it, that you get the personality part of it. But there's this old guard that won't go away. And it's that Harper's comments were right spot on with that. And Goose Gosh has kind of proved his point, like about Bautista and everything else he said. It's kind of that old school, new school battle that's, I would like to think is starting to fade away, but this is just another reminder that it's not. And uh, it would be fun if we could all just enjoy baseball instead of arguing about it all the time in this way. Like, Arguing about baseball is fun if you're talking about players and like what's who's good and who's not, who's going to win and that kind of stuff, strategy wise. But like philosophically with rules and like unwritten rules, that's not a fun conversation, in my opinion. It's just kind of silly and pointless. Yeah. And I think I agree with both of you in, in the sense that I agree with Bryce Harper. I actually think I've warmed up to Bryce Harper a lot in the past couple of years. Um, I know a lot of Braves fans are going to hate me for that just because Bryce Harper is a national and he's kind of you can't like dude. Bryce Harper, <laughs> but he's an amazing player. I'm glad that he said this because to have a young star come out openly and and really speak against these unwritten rules and all these things, 
that we agree are, are bad for baseball, I think is extremely positive for the game to have a guy like that endorsing it and to have other players like a Bautista uh, and hopefully some more of these young guys. I, I can't imagine Fernandez wouldn't come out and support Harper's comments. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I love bat flips. I don't, I, if you, if you had a home run, a game winning home run against one of the best pitchers on the earth, like why shouldn't you celebrate that? I don't understand how we've never had the conversation about how pitchers are terrible when they pump their fists after a big strikeout. Why have we never had that conversation? But you always get the people complaining about bat flips. Does anyone know the answer to that? Sergio Romo like ranted about this this mm. week, and Sergio Romo is like one of the legendary celebrators on the mound of pitchers. Like mm. I didn't get it. Like he loses his mind on the mound. Yeah, and he rude. came out against it, and I was like, Sergio. against Harper's comments. Yeah, like he's like anti fun. <laughs> what are you doing? But I was doing? like, wait, Sergio, you're like. <laughs> crazy like you he does the the fist pumps and like he's dancing on the mound like it's yeah i couldn't believe when he said that i was like wait well, i don't understand your point like you're one of the worst defenders of this but for some reason pitchers get off scot-free you know, in this here, debate. here's what i think here's my hypothesis the reason that batters have always been punished is because the pitcher is perfectly capable of retaliating with just pegging them while what's yep. the what's the bat all the batter can do is get hit and that should be your response if you get struck out and the pitcher's celebrating, don't let him strike you out like that. If you don't like how hitters don't or hitters celebrate their home runs, don't let him hit a home run off of you. That's the solution. All right. Yeah, he He's literally said <laughs> Romo. Romo actually said, "Just shut up" to Harper. That was the quote. Wow. I just went and found it. That's the quote. He was like, he. It was part. It was about how he was the MVP and how his comments about unwritten rules were stupid. And he, and he literally said, "Just shut up." And I'm sure a lot of these guys are just salty that Harper's had so much success and he's been. Uh, just the the media darling, and he's had all this attention. I'm sure a lot of it's just sour grapes from some of these players. He um, had ten more last year. <laughs> of course, he's the media darling. He was incredible. He had like a 1100 OPS. Like, what yeah. are they supposed to do? Exactly. No, I agree with you 100. percent But yeah, I don't. I don't understand it. I hope you guys, uh, you guys listening, will will give some feedback into what you think of this situation. I know we had a post on the site this week addressing it, but. Um, I think this could be a good conversation to have if it's had uh, constructively without just kind of bickering over philosophy like you mentioned, Brad. But I am glad that it's coming to the forefront of the conversation rather than something that we, we just talk about kind of uh, behind closed doors, I guess. Because it's, it's kind of a shady thing, all these unwritten rules. And to like bring them to the, to the front with one of the game's younger stars, I think is... It's going to do nothing but good for the game eventually. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'd like to think that this new generation of of baseball players, I mean, we've got a ton of really talented young ball players right now. And if, and if that can move the conversation forward and we can kind of get past some of these things, then, uh, then well done Bryce Harper. Yeah. Like I want to get to a point where like, if we're going to argue about this type of stuff, I want to argue about like who had the best bat flip. Yeah, exactly. Arguing about bat flips in general. Yeah, like like let's rate the top ten bat flippers. Exactly, that would be amazing. <laughs> like add it as like a side event to the All Star game or something. Yeah, instead of the home run derby, let's just have a bat flipping contest. All the Cuban players can just come show out for that. Adonis Garcia could represent for the Braves. He'd have to actually hit, hit, hit a home run. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there's one thing we know he can do, it's hit home runs. If he can't do anything else, sorry, Adonis, I, I was I was mean. I like. I love you, Adonis. Don't get mad at us. Love, all right. I, I think we've come complete circle with this. 
Uh, unless you guys have anything else to talk about, I think we can wrap this one up. A little bit of a shorter podcast today, but productive and exciting and fun nonetheless. We had fun talking about baseball. Is that allowed? Are we allowed to have fun talking about baseball? I'm not sure. We might get in trouble. Somebody ask Goose Gossage <laughs> if I'm allowed to have fun on the podcast. We'll have Goose Goose on next time, and he can talk about how terrible we are for the game. But uh, <laughs> Demetrius, we appreciate having you on. Oh, yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. it was great time talking with y'all. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to do it again in the future. If you guys want to follow Demetrius on Twitter, you can do that at Fergo F E R G O E. Is that right? That's absolutely right. Yep. Follow him on Twitter. You can follow Brad at BT Roland. You can follow myself at Carlos A Colazo. And as always, follow the site at Talking Chop. We're going to obviously be coming at you guys next Sunday with another podcast. Uh, be sure to keep, keep checking in on the site this week. Uh, also, if you have any takes on March Madness, feel free to do that. I'll be going with the Tar Heels wherever they go, really, and talking crap to Brad along the way. So that should be fun. All right. Uh, you guys take care, and until next time, have a good one. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.